Hello and welcome back to The Great Game, an Australian mega game podcast. I'm Patrick. And I'm Jack. And this is episode 9, The Dark and Stormy Night. Just some quick announcements before we start. Uh, Gen Con Online will be kicking off starting from Thursday the 30th of July. Lots of exciting mega game stuff happening for that one. Uh, Den of Wolves, the um, uh, super popular mega game, will be going off on... um, Friday, and I believe a second session for Saturday as well, but check the calendar because those tickets uh, have sold out super fast. Um, uh, the Mega Game Coalition is also going to be doing a, um, uh, a big seminar on the state of Mega Games in 2020 on Friday, uh, which is awesome. Uh, it'll include in on that seminar um, Matthew and Chris from Mega Game Assembly, uh, as well as uh, Stefan, who uh, you may remember from our episode on Our League. Um, which we're currently playing in right this second. Um, so that'll be super exciting. Um, we'll be tuning in. It'll be 8 a.m. Saturday on in, in uh, Brisbane time, I think. But uh, yeah, excited for that. Um, in terms of other Mega Game stuff, Draft Night 3078 uh, will be going off on Saturday on Gen Con, which is a sci-fi future for sports Mega Game, um, which is exciting. And on Friday and Saturday, there'll be a mega game called uh, Lucidian Online, uh, which is, I don't know too much about, but it's some kind of mini mega game with about 30 players that goes for an hour and a half where you're competing for mining resources in space on asteroids, uh, which is awesome. Yeah, so check out as many of those as as you're into. Um, Lots of awesome, exciting stuff going on there. Um, in our personal news, um, our league is ongoing. We're still playing in it. Uh, it'll be finishing up at the end of this week, basically. So that's exciting. And in local news, um, uh, we have a, a local mega game uh, kicking off, being tested right now from um, called Xar uh, of the South. I, I'm not very good at pronouncing that, but uh, by uh, David Grounds, I believe it is. Uh, so it's just testing now. Um, we'll include a link in the description. Uh, get involved if you're interested and check it out. And uh, yeah, that's the announcements from me. Awesome. Uh, plenty of stuff happening online these days, which is a, a good segue into the episode. Um, so this episode, episode nine, we are talking about Dark and Stormy Night, which was um, our mega game that Jack and I designed with the help of our um, returning podcast guest, Zach. And um, it was an asynchronous online mega game of gothic horror um, and, and a bit of intrigue and sort of paranoia. Um, so in this episode, we sat down, um, I, I talked to Jack, to Zach, and also to Jason, one of the players, to um, do a bit of a post-mortem on the, on the playtest that we ran, which was over three days, and to get everyone's opinions and ideas on how the game went and what, what might need to um, be fixed up for a future run. Um, So, without further ado, let's get into it. Alright, Zach, Jason, thanks for joining us today. Um, Before we jumped in, I just wanted to put the spotlight on you, Jason, Uh, as you're sort of a new personality to the podcast. Do you want to just give us a bit of a background on your involvement in the mega game world and how you came to be involved in this game? Sure. Um, Well, I've been in Brisbane mega games kind of just a little bit around, less dedicated than Jack helping out with a few things throughout the years. So I've done some graphics and I've um, been a control member a couple of times. Um, 
and like helped out maybe with a little bit of development, mainly just in terms of playtesting. Mm-hmm. And have you, um, was this your first hand at playing as a player in a mega game? Um, it actually was, which I didn't realize until I actually <laughs> started playing it, that I'd mainly just been on the backgrounds and like really interested in mega games and keen to uh, help out. But I had not actually done a, well, this probably still counts as a playtest. I still hadn't done a full mega game before. Okay. Um, so turning to, to all of you, Jack, Zach, Jason, um, I just thought we'd run through the list there and, um, get an idea of what everyone's sort of, I mean, we kind of know your background a little bit, but what were your expectations coming into an online mega game experience in general, regardless of dark and stormy? Um, like Jack, what, what were you thinking you were going to learn or encounter going into the online space? Sure. So um, I guess just to sum up, the only big experience I'd had of online mega games was the uh, Anubis Heresy playtest um, that I'd played in with with John Keelsworth. Um, and what I'd experienced in that and also seeing uh, some Twitch streams and stuff like that of people playing in other online mega games, um, the I guess there was a couple of things i was expecting and that i was trying to uh, avoid when i was making dark and stormy nights one is that i felt uh in okay so i'll start with the negatives right the things that i was worried about i was worried about rules a lot like people not understanding the rules uh the game being too mechanical um that's something i thought i noticed in other mega games where because you don't have people in the same space as you and like physically there face to face, it becomes a lot harder to adjudicate all that stuff. Um, uh, and that's the reason why the mega game was meant to be like really role play heavy and rules light, I guess. Um, yeah. And, and the second thing I was worried about is the, um, I suppose, energy of it, like the space it took up in your life. Because uh, this game, Dark and Stormy Nights, is the first asynchronous mega game uh, that I'd ever experienced or tried or played in, Um, which means that it went over three days in this example, and each day you submit one action. Um, That was something I just didn't know how it would react at all. Um, so it was, it was yeah. this, this, this play test was like, all right, well, let's see what happened, I guess, basically. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll kick it over to you guys. Um, uh, Jason and Zach. Um, I think I had probably similar expectations as, as Jack, like I was a little bit worried about how much time it was going to take up. Um, I tried to be pretty low on my internet checky throughout the day as I go on. And so I was like, oh, maybe this is going to take up a, a lot of time. Um, that was one of the things. And um, apart from that, I didn't really look into too much what was going to actually happen. I just kind of turned up on the day, um, read my background and started started playing. For myself, uh, I had some background uh, as with Jack as part of the Sons of Anubis uh, playtest, which I believe you guys have spoken about previously. Um I've also had some experience with uh, play-by-post or, like, forum role-play games. Uh, so, mm. yeah, the idea that you're playing Dungeons & Dragons or some variant thereof. And in hindsight, if I had 
taken my experiences with that and tried to apply it to a mega game, what I would have found, uh, what I would have thought of is that one of the biggest issues with play by post is uh, player involvement and player retention. It's very difficult to keep people interested and ongoing in something that stretches over a long period of time, particularly Mm. when the action isn't condensed down into a small period of time, basically. It's hard to keep that interest and excitement, particularly with doing things online, it's hard to keep that going over a longer period of time. Um, But otherwise, for this particular online mega game, I had very little expectations going into it, apart from that I was looking forward to doing stuff with it. Um, I was just going to add that, like, uh, building on, like, the idea that there are actually many similar kind of examples of online mega games that aren't called online mega games because mega games is a fairly new concept in the public imagination. Um, so I played uh, Neptune's Pride um, and some other early games which are kind of pervasive games over a long period of time, which is like you say you play a week, um, you play it on a browser or something that's generally a pretty similar interface and you coordinate your actions as a little bit of diplomacy. And I think that was one of my expectations going in that I found those games kind of tend to take over your life, which is like that you think at one point, like when you're like in the bathroom or like not talking to anyone (laughs) or just like any single moment, you're like, I should quickly just check where my ships are. And maybe if I talk to this person, then I could get them to do that. Hmm. I think this was a, a lower version of that, but that was something that was my background thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, so the intent from a designer's point of view with the game that I wanted it to take with this asynchronous nature is I was hoping it would settle into a nice routine as the days went on. Um, like, you know, uh, it was designed so that every day at uh, in the morning, a newspaper would be published with the events of what's going on in the game. Um, the idea would be that you'd check in and you'd have a routine of checking the newspaper and posting your action for the day, basically. that That was the idea. Um, and we can talk about how that ended up happening in the game itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny that you guys brought up the other online games that exist out there that could fall into the category. I, too, um, I went sort of backwards on it with with how you went, Zach, where I had that background in some play-by-post stuff a long time ago. And I didn't realize the, you know, the crossover point there until after, well, until we were sort of deep in it. And I didn't expect that's what it was going to end up looking like or have have those similarities. And then likewise, just the definition of mega games and then porting into the online realm. Um, again, even before I heard of mega games and tried my hand at the designing, I'd done, I'd run some similar things online back in the day where it was essentially a mega game, but it was a team of one and you were running a nation or something. And it was via posts on the forum. And um, it's funny how, well, yeah, a lot of these ideas and um, concepts like crossover and meet each other on this forum. And now the mega games are actually making their way back online, but um, it's, it's slightly different to what, what's out there. Um, what um, dark and stormy itself, I thought we better just quickly dive into exactly what it is and what it was meant to be and how it was designed um what it was designed to be um jack did you want to kick us off from from the the moderator slash designer perspective just to talk about what 
can you like summarize the setting and the theme? What was it? What was it about? Sure. So, Dark and Stormy um, was is a uh, rules light, role play heavy gothic horror mega game, and the idea of the setting and the theme is that it's a bunch of those uh, super fun gothic horror tropes all mashed up in a interesting way. So you've got the classic Frankenstein's monsters and mad science and uh, terrible um, werewolf creatures, you know, all all this kind of stuff, um, but with kind of interesting twists on it. Um, The players play um, in three different locations um, and they gather in those locations and try to cooperate to take actions. So, for example, one of those locations is the village. Everyone on the village is seemingly on the same team, but they have secret uh, teams amongst themselves. So they might secretly belong to the wolf faction or secretly be a cult, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, And they're posting on the forum each day to take an action. Um, The core mechanic of the game is that you post what action you want to take. So you say, hey, I want to get wood for the village. Anyone want to help me out? Because we really need this wood to survive the winter. Um, And people can reply to your post, uh, helping out your action. Um, The more people who reply, the better chance your action has to succeed. Um, But you need to actually accept their help before it takes effect because anyone who you accept help from can sabotage your action. Secretly, they message the moderators. They say, hey, this person's accepted my help to find wood. Actually, I'm going to stab them in the back or poison them, all that kind of thing. Um, So it's a game about um, cooperation, treachery, subterfuge, different alliances, um, dark, gothic horror, stuff like that. That's the basic idea. And so I, I, from the intro, I have a feeling what this answer might be, but Jason, from the player perspective, before you jumped in, what was your take on it? <laughs> what were you expecting? Um, I knew it was an online mega game. I had a kind of a, a pitch of the theme. Um, and so I was, I think, yeah, expecting kind of, what Jack told me. I think in the version that I played, there wasn't the sabotage. Is that right, Jack? Uh, yeah, that's right. So we changed a lot of the... Well, there was sabotage, but basically there were some changed mechanics around that. Yeah, it was more like a... It wasn't as defined as sabotage, but the option to to do it was kind of there. It was just happening in a different, uh, a more fluid way. Essentially, we changed things so that um, instead of each person getting this private sabotage action, your team got an action to um, screw people over and do stuff like that. So in your secret team, you would take one private action. With that said, uh, Zach, you, did you have anything to, to add to the, the setting and theme or kind of nailed it? Uh, setting and theme, I think what Jack said was pretty good. Uh, gothic horror, lots of... Um, lots of inspiration from uh, different kinds of, at least for me, Eastern European folklore. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of that really shone through um, a lot of the, I mean, in practice, it's a different story that we'll be delve into, but in design, a lot of the backstory and the, the descriptions and um, sort of flavor of the game was pretty pretty evocative for that kind of setting. Um 
So uh, just quickly, before we start a bit of our, uh, I think Jack's been calling it a post-mortem, <laughs> um, I just wanted to run through, just so everyone is clear, what your roles were in the game. Um, so, so Jack, you were um, you were one of the moderators. Can you just give us a rundown of what your responsibilities were? Sure. So for this playtest, it took place over three days, and we had the castle and the forest locations. Um, I ran the castle, basically, and was responsible for doing all of the player actions that people took in the castle. Um, and Zach, you were on the other side of the, the moderated team with me. Um, what was your sort of jurisdiction responsibilities? So uh, before the game, well, while Jack did most of the development side of things, I helped write some stuff for the forest location and its sublocation uh, for Hidden World. And then during the game, uh, yourself and I, Pat, ended up uh, handling the actions that came in through the forest and the hidden world. And Jason, you were a player. Can you give us a quick rundown of your role in the game? Um, I was the druid. I was in the forest location, and I was part of a hidden team that was uh, the coven. And that was just a two-person team with me and another player that was the witch child. Alrighty then. Um, so, um, just just staying with you, Jason, as the druid and with your other teammate, your co-conspirator, um, what did the game look like from your perspective as the player before it started? Um, once you, I mean, well, I, I suppose we can say once it had started and you realised who you were and you'd read your briefing and you were connected with your teammate, um, what, what, what did it look like... Um, sort of in the physical realm with the website and how you're interacting with it and all of that. How did you find um, engaging with the game? So there were kind of like a few different areas that I'd interact with. So like the first thing is that I'd have a look at my profile and that gave me like a description of who I was, the assets that I had to use, um, the and like uh, who was on my team, what my team wanted to do, and what my kind of secret objective was. Um, so that was kind of gave me like a very clear, okay, these are the things that you want to do. And then like the interfaces I had to do that was we had a little chat that was just for the forest. So that was just like casual conversation. People say whatever they want, you know, who are you? What are you doing? Um, having a look at the chat, one of the things that like we started to realize is that some people would post in the chat and some people wouldn't, there would be a lot of silent people in the chat, um, but a lot of kind of my key, I guess, conversation was starting to talk to my fellow teammate, try and work out what we're trying to do, and um, then maybe start to message some other players. So that is, we, I have my profile, that kind of tells me what I want to do. We have a casual chat, and then like the key way that I actually interact and do actions with the game is inside the forest zone. So in the forest... Um, it has a little bit of description of what's happening on a day-to-day basis. So day one, we had a little bit of a brief. It told us these things were happening. These were the kind of the key concerns. And then I had to choose an action. And I have one action per day. Um, and then try and get people hopefully to help me with their, with their action. And I would also help other people with their action if I, I think it was worth supporting. And so on that first day, we were, we were talking about earlier that this was a, a three-day affair in this case, um, each day being a single turn. And as Jack said, each turn, um, you got to do one action. Um, 
did you find how did you find your time spread across the term um as far as you know reading about what other people were doing communicating with other people conspiring with your teammate and then the the act of doing an action um how did you find that as far as your time investment went like your involvement with the game throughout that 24 hours or however long it was so that generally what like what it was trying to work out first of all like what actual the game is what i was doing what i was kind of trying to get done and what levers i had to pull and so i think the first little bit i kind of thought i was just constrained to the group chat and then i worked out that i could go beyond the group chat and start messaging players individually so even if i hadn't had a chat set up with them i could start talking to them um and so what it ended up being is that like most of the time was having a look at the group chat, seeing what we're saying, maybe messaging someone else, waiting for a reply, going back and then checking what was happening in the forest, which was who had already posted actions, what sort of support had they asked for. And so I think in some ways, like it ended up like looking like social media in terms of go without notification, just going through and checking the different things and seeing what's happening. Is anything new happening? And mm. then it was like, toward i think most of the time a lot of the actions tend to happen pretty late in the day as people kind of worked out what they were trying to do or got enough support that they thought it was a good action um i had one day where i was out most of the day and only checking it a little bit and then i came back and i was trying to input all my like support and final actions at the last minute and was just having some problems getting everything in yeah before the deadline yeah, definitely. I think this is maybe a good point to bring up a pretty critical flaw in this particular playtest that's probably worth looking at for anyone who's making an asymmetric mega game. Um, so as I said, we expected there to be a routine that people would settle into where, you know, every morning you check the newspaper and then you do it, your action, um, uh, which I hoped would be like a nice thing in this kind of coronavirus isolation thing. You know what I mean? Like if you um, don't have people to see, you're not going out very much. It, it has a nice routine to it. What ended up happening um, is that people uh, ended up submitting their actions as late as they possibly could on each day. <laughs> Which is like, so, you know, like first day, you know, they submitted their actions kind of throughout the day. People did things throughout the day. By the second day, we rapidly got to a point, and then the third day, even more so, we rapidly got to a point where, you know, the cutoff was 7 p.m. and people were submitting their actions at 6.58. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, yeah is uh, it was not something that we expected at all, and it was definitely a huge deal. To kind of expand on that, Jack, do you want to explain why people were doing that? I think there's a multiple reasons for that. Uh, the key issue is that people, I think the key issue uh, is that people wanted to make sure that no one else uh, knew what they were doing so that no one else could sabotage or stop what they were doing. Um, so the idea was, you know, for example, if you have this action where you want to, um, uh, I don't know, you want to rescue someone from jail. Um, then people would gather together, make a secret group chat with anyone they can get to help them with that action. And they would plan out, okay, everyone be at the computer at 6.58 and we'll all just immediately post this action and then immediately all help each other with it. Um, so that 
it's it's too late. The deadline then switched down. No one has had a chance to see that we're doing that. No one has had a chance to stop us. Um, now, in reality, that plan didn't actually tend to work because everyone else was also on at 6.58. So everyone would would see this at 6.58 and then also suddenly, as fast as they can, do the counter to that action. So it didn't stop people from, you know, working against each other. But um, I think that's probably the key thing. And I think the root cause of that is that... Um, is that there was such a sense of competition among everyone, right? Like that everyone felt like they were against everyone else, even members of their own team. We got quite a bit of feedback um, from people saying, I wasn't sure if I could trust my own teammates. Um, And I think part of that is a design thing that we could work on. But part of that competition aspect is probably also the online nature of it, that you... You can't see anyone, right? You don't get to see or talk to to your own teammates face to face. So you have much less of a strong bond with them and there's a much greater sense of me versus them, I feel like. Yeah, um, what do you guys think? Sorry, to, I would actually like to jump on that and say that it was a design choice, at least from the stuff that I worked on, to have that sort of level of conflict in the game. I when I was working on it, the idea was that to have an interesting interaction for players in this mega game, you want to have conflict. And so the idea that people are afraid of or are concerned that other teams might are trying to stop what they're doing or that other teams are working against them in secret, that sounds like the kind of thing you actually want to have such that there's interaction and involvement between players and between teams. Uh, However, at least in this case, it did end up, given the asynchronous nature of the online mega game, it ended up creating the situation where people were trying to not game the system, but trying to like shoot for edge cases where you're posting as late as possible to try and reduce the amount of time that other people might have the information. Hmm. So I, that's kind of the my thought process behind why we did that initially and then how that didn't work out because of the technical sides of what we were doing. Um, Jason, did you have something to add on to that? Yeah, well, I definitely did see that happen on the other side of the... like. I saw that happening as competing players, saw a lot of people posting at the last minute, and it seemed that they were doing that thing where they were trying to get in before anyone could oppose them. Um, but personally, like that's not actually what I was trying to do. The reason that I was posting on the last minute is that I was having these conversations throughout the, throughout the game. So I was trying to get people on side before I locked in my action. So I wasn't necessarily mm. trying to oppose someone, but... I was trying to get, hey, if I do this, will you support me? And can I get this? Okay, doesn't seem like I'm getting firm support from you. Maybe I should try something else to do. So for me, it was more on the collaboration side, but that still took a long time to do because it was kind of like a little bit of back and forth. And because it wasn't like we were all at our computers rapidly typing away, it was I was doing a, a post, I wait for someone to get back to me, then I reply to them, and it would just kind of take a long time for it to happen. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think it's um I think it's also worth mentioning that we did do a previous playtest to this, which was in uh like a classical real-time mega game where people had 
uh, 15, 20 minutes to submit their actions instead of all day. Um, and in that, which maybe you'd expect, people um, weren't waiting until minute 19 to submit the their actions, right? Because you needed to give people some amount of time to react to it. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I agree with you that it's not part of it, I think, is the competitiveness of it. And of course, you want competition and conflict in a mega game. And part of it is people want to get as much information as they can before they make their move, which is completely normal and natural as like a player instinct. But it's hard to know how to fix both those issues um, because they're pretty, you know, partially, perhaps they're inherent a bit in the system. Partially, maybe you need to have a system where everyone's actions are secret so that you can't interfere with each other but i don't know it's it's a difficult problem to solve i think yeah i think it is um to be honest this was one of the most interesting things to come out of the end of the game the discussion around this this point and how we could solve it um i found it interesting that when i went into the design of this a long time ago with you jack when it first like long before it was defined mechanically the kind of sabotage and working against each other and having secret agents and stuff wasn't as big of a factor as I had thought it would end up being. And I think it developed well into like being a major component of the game because it fits so well in the, in the theme. But I just remember when we were running through the play tests, um, being kind of surprised at when the first, when I saw the first signs of people doing this kind of behavior and, and other things where they were really keen to, um, get the upper hand on someone because there was just so much paranoia, which, mm. yeah, I think it's part of the game, but it is a hard thing to navigate. Um, in those post-game discussions with the players and between between us on the mod side, I think we did come up with a few ideas that could help navigate this if we wanted to keep it a part of the game. Um, you know, having a, a time where people could put actions forward and then there's a separate period after that where people are allowed to support them or go against them. So you sort of stagger things out. And then um, I think another um, idea was incentivizing people to post earlier so that the sooner they post an action up, the more impact it has because they got it done in the morning and I guess made themselves more vulnerable. So there's a lot of little things there that we could play around with, but um, yeah, I'm not sure if we've (laughs) totally solved that particular problem. Um, I was just going to say from a player's perspective, like one of the reasons that I had that paranoia um, was that what I was seeing um, like from my player's perspective is that I did have um, like clear signals that like I shouldn't trust anyone, which Mm. is um, I worked out throughout the game that I had like, some hidden goals or some hidden information. I had a single teammate and they didn't have the exact same information as I did. And I didn't think I was supposed to share the information with them. And they were clearly hiding things from me. And then there was someone else who it seemed like they should be on my team because they seemed to have similar motivations and a similar theme, but they weren't on my team. And I was supposed to try and get information out of them somehow. So there was lots of things that was kind of telling me to be paranoid and telling me to kind of try and work around work in secrets. Don't be open with anyone. Don't, it didn't really, I guess it didn't really encourage coalition building. It encouraged little secret side discussions. Yeah, definitely. And that, 
you know, the paranoia and the competition was intentional. It's just, I guess we didn't realize how big an effect that would have on the game and how much paranoia and competition there would be and what impact that would have in terms of trying to hide your actions as much as possible. So I think, um, so we've talked a bit about the, the last minute actions issue. Um, and that's something, but another, there are, I think quite a few related issues that stem from this. Um, you know, for example, we had some people who were who would post an action and then edit it at the at the last minute, um, so that it said a different thing to what it initially said. Um, we had people who changed their names, or all all this kind of stuff would happen. Um, and I think fundamentally, that's because no one wanted people to know what action they were taking, right? So I feel like in order to really work with this format where people are posting actions publicly and helping each other, you would need to change it to almost a cooperative game, right? It would need to be a game where you want everyone to know what action you're taking and you want to post your action as, as fast as possible so that everyone can see what you're doing so that they can help you. You know, it would need to be something without that element of competition and paranoia, which is unfortunate because that's what the kind of core concept was but that i guess that's my feeling at the moment at least to sort of actually um <clears throat> oppose something that jack said there uh the two examples that you provided one being someone changing their name and the other being someone editing their post after they had posted it uh in both cases i think that was actually born out of the idea of having a mechanics light mega game um in that in both cases, there wasn't explicitly something saying that, hey, this is not something you should do. Uh, in the case of someone changing their name, they just wanted to have what they thought was a better sounding name. Uh, and in the case of someone editing their post, for me, that's something which is harder to justify in terms of the mega game. But for them, it was something that they had signposted a couple of times and then had tried to make it clear that they were doing something like this however in the time constraints that people had and without the sort of tonal um, information that you can get from an in-person mega game that didn't come across and so what ended up happening was that people weren't aware that that was happening um, and so like I don't think in that case people were trying to uh, game the system or hide actions, I think that was more born out of a situation where because there wasn't a strict mechanical framework, which was deliberate, uh, there was cases where, and this is what you would expect in a playtest, there was cases where we there was unexpected outcomes based off player interpretations of what they could and couldn't do. Another thing that happened uh, is that people would post publicly an action and then secretly message me as the moderator and go, hey, I've said I'm doing this, but I actually want to do this thing. You know, I, I, So I found that it's not a thing that I would point at one particular player, but I definitely felt an, an overarching feeling that people didn't want their actions to be publicly known. That's more of a yeah, so it's not really about that one specific example or anything like that, but it's it's a it's an overall feeling I got from players, I guess. And I think that's fair. It's not it's not an either or situation here. It's uh, there is the strong sense of paranoia and trying to hide what they're doing, but also I think 
one of the other things to be think about when do, when working with these online mega games is that oftentimes it's uh, there's not moderators on the floor generally trying to make things run smoothly and so people can easily get confused or not be clear on what they can and can't do in a mechanical sense so yeah um and i think the other thing that it adds to that are those two original examples of people editing posts and changing names those are um in a way systemic issues with the the medium that we were working in and the tools that we had, which we basically adapted from other places. There wasn't, wasn't a, a, you know, a fit for purpose built thing for this game. So we had to adapt to the tools that we could access easily and use easily. And that led to a lot of little systemic issues that we might talk about a little bit later. Yeah. um, So I I was just going to say, I think we should mention the reason why this stuff is a problem. Like, um, the reason why it's a problem for people to submit their actions at the last minute and everything um, is that the less stuff is publicly available for players to interact with, the less interesting the game is, right? So if everyone is off taking secret actions, doing things secretly, all that kind of stuff, um, then the actual game bit, the forum, the stuff that people can publicly interact with, looks like a, a bit of a barren wasteland, right? <laughs> Which is like, it looks like, oh, there's no one even playing this game. Where are they all? <laughs> you know, and so mm. that that's that's the core problem there is you want stuff to be publicly out there. You want to know what other people are doing because that's the game bit, you know? Yeah, so I, I think that's like the components there that we've talked about, I think are some of the most interesting lessons and outcomes from the game. These, the way that players felt and the way that the game the game's design sort of position them to feel and act in a certain way. And then the way that that kind of went against or complicated the intent, um, I find really interesting, but um, we've talked a lot about the the front end and how the game looked from the player's perspective and how they engage with it. Um, Jack, did you want to just run us through quickly what this game was actually like from a moderator perspective? Sure. Um, so it was all run using a, a Wix, which is a simple website builder. Um, and the way it worked is you'd have the public forums that people are posting on and then the private chat, which um, each uh, team has their own little private chat with one moderator in it. Um, so as a moderator, the idea is each day you'd post the newspaper for the day. Um, then you would uh, go through it, uh check in every now and then if people have questions. Um, And at the end of the day, everything closes down and you look at all the actions that people have posted. People have posted actions uh, publicly on the forums and privately in the private chat. And you collate those all up and roll a dice to see if they succeed based on um, assets that they have put into it and how many people have um, said to help them. Um, and yeah, so you roll the dice, you see if they succeed, and then you type up a newspaper for the next day saying, here's what happened. Um, so being in charge of the castle, that's what I did for the castle each day. Um, yeah, so it was, uh, a lot of that stuff was really awesome and cool. It's a lot like being a um, DM in D&D or a role-playing game of your choice. Um, but I think it's probably worth mentioning the second big thing that was really surprising, which is, I was very surprised how much work this game was to run as a moderator. Um, Because it was roleplay heavy, people needed a lot of advice and direction on um, what kind of stuff they could do. 
And uh, that ended up being a lot more work than anticipated. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure you could talk about that as well, Pat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, I I went into this, and I think I think all of us did. The three of us um, actually went in saying, "Well, we're not going to be sitting in front of the computer all day and helping people out all the time. Um, we are going to we'll just do the you know when the the timer runs out and all the actions are in, then we'll get together and collate collate them and go through them." It didn't end up being that we needed to be 24-7 sort of help desk, but there was a lot of questions and a lot of conversational stuff that I couldn't help but engage with. So, um, yeah, I think that was it was, in, it was good in a way. It was fun to see some more insight into what the players were doing, but it quickly showed not only how intense um, the resolution was, which was us sitting down every night to go through, you know, the results of the actions and write them up, but um, the time that you had to invest throughout the day, just snippets to check in, it was it, it ended up being quite a huge investment of time for the moderator team. And I think one of the early bits of feedback I I mentioned to you guys was I don't think it would be a sustainable thing to be able to get people to do that amount of work for you know a long like you know more more than three three nights in a row. Um, that being said, the the physical act of doing that resolution each evening was you and um, Jack and Zach and I all jumping on Discord and opening up these spreadsheets and translating stuff from the from the from the website and um, discussing who was doing what. And there was there it was that was pretty fun. Um, at least at the start, there was a lot of excitement about what the players were doing and there was a lot of schemes and it was always interesting to hear, oh, you, you you won't believe what this guy's doing and then, oh, you have to wait till you resolve that action because this person's actually going to mess with them. And there was a lot of, um, I'm not sure what the word is, but the excitement of being behind the curtain and seeing all these things happen. But um, it was a lot of work and a lot of time investment. To sort of jump in on that, actually, I think there's a lot of time investment um translating what people have written down as roleplay actions into their mechanical equivalents, combining all those things, uh, generating a result, and then trying to convert the result back into something that we can put as a roleplay or like as a newspaper on the next day. I think there's a, while it was very enjoyable, uh, creative writing is something that I enjoy doing if I'm not particularly good at it. Um, and then there's, the issue of just having to translate what is uh, 20 different posts or assistances from people, some some which are easier than others, but in some cases, the people who are most interested in the game are trying to do creative things with their actions, which is great, but it also means that then there's more emphasis on us trying to translate into translate those actions into something that we can fit into the, the fairly fairly flexible but still a mechanical framework behind the scenes yeah absolutely and i think um yeah so because when you're when you're running a role-playing game you're there with people in person usually right you can see their faces and their expressions and they say hey i want to do this thing and you can check in and go oh okay hold on you realize that'll have this consequence, right? Or, and stuff like that. And you can make sure you understand what their meaning is. Uh, but in this system where it's asynchronous, maybe they're not online, whatever, you don't get that luxury. So it's much more work to interpret what they actually mean by their text post, right? And sometimes 
um, yeah, I definitely did misinterpret things and um, uh, take things in directions that players weren't, didn't mean to take it, uh, which is, you know, kind of hard to, that's just kind of a part of the medium, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so I think, I think that is one stage, one part. The At the end of the day, interpreting what people wanted to do was uh, quite tricky but enjoyable. Um, but for me, the second part of responding to people's questions and complaints uh, throughout the day, well, not usually complaints, mostly people were very positive about it, which was nice. But um, responding to people throughout the day, I was surprised how stressful I found that. Um, and it's interesting because, like, running a mega game... Uh, can be very stressful, right? But it's, to me at least, it's always a a really fun, great kind of stress. You know, everyone's very high energy. Uh, you're doing this for maybe six hours. Everyone's all in it. Uh, maybe you have people who have questions or queries or stuff that you need to tackle all throughout the day. Uh, but it's basically this one big uh, burst of energy and then it's over and you can relax and enjoy it. Um, having that stretched out over three days and having it happen asynchronously uh, meant that instead of this one big burst of energy, it's like little um, little random stuff popping up throughout the day, you know, like little little notifications going bloom, bloom throughout the day. And that was more stressful for me by far. And um, it, it meant, it felt like um, it was, it's, it meant that it was kind of difficult to relax throughout those three days. Um, because you feel like anytime you're doing something else, you're like, oh, what if someone's asking a question or what if someone has a an issue I need to handle? Um, yeah, so I was really surprised. It wasn't, I don't think it was more work responding to queries throughout those th- three days or anything, but the way the work was portioned out, the way it happened, you know, um, really was, yeah, way more stressful than I expected, basically. Yeah, yeah, definitely for me as well. I found that um, I didn't expect to be so mentally focused on it when I was busy off doing other things. But there was definitely a time I remember when I was um, out for a stroll around the neighborhood, enjoying my restrictions um, that were loosening at the time. And um, someone messaged me something that was not essential at all but I decided that I needed to fix it then and then because it was already in the afternoon and I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want something to delay someone's decision-making or the discussions about their actions. So I remember standing on the side of the street on my phone and nothing works well on the, on the phone as far as, you know, the website we were using. It wasn't um, <laughs> that user-friendly and putting together all these things from the admin side and then the player side and chatting to different people and just resolving this little issue that ended up not being a big deal. But it definitely was a good um, demonstration of how present it made you feel in the game um, 24, 24 hours. Definitely, definitely. And I know that that type of work or that type of labor, um, if you want to call it that, is something that a lot of people really enjoy. Like that's, I mean, that's a lot of people's jobs, right? They're a social media manager, all this kind of mm. stuff that they, they need to handle various little tasks that happen throughout the day. Um yeah, but I guess I was surprised to discover that that's definitely not me. You know, like I need to be someone who there is one big task and you remain completely 100% focused on that particular task for the duration that you're doing it. And then once you've done the task, it's over, you know, rather than a multitasking, going back and forth thing. Um, yeah, that's definitely something I struggle with. To put a uh, final uh, attachment, I guess, uh, a final thought onto Pat's point, uh, 
there is an issue, I think, with the asynchronous nature where if someone has an issue, you want to fix it right away because they might not be there when you get back to it, if that makes sense. If they've gone yeah. off to do stuff and then it feels like you've missed that you've messed up their involvement in the game. And that was one of the things that happened for me was the idea that someone has an issue. I need to fix this now because if if I if it's not fixed, then they're and they're gone in the next hour or so, they might not get a post in. And then we've kind mm. of both ruined their action and also the information that we want out of the playtest. So there's that like it it feels stressful to be trying to fix issues when they come in rather than when you feel like you can. Definitely. Um, Jason, did you have anything to remark on this from a player perspective in terms of the checking in now and then? Because I know in your feedback, you mentioned a bit of this in terms of bleed. Yeah. Oh, no, like I very much like feel, I think from the player's perspective, like the same thing that Jack said that, oh, like from a player or a moderator or anyone that's kind of involved in an action, I really like being very focused on that devoting my energy to that and feeling that like you know i'm doing that very very well as opposed to the idea that this is happening in the background while i'm doing something else and it's affecting you know like me trying to generally enjoy my life whether that's going for a stroll or like sitting down and having a a coffee like it didn't quite um yeah like the promise of okay at the start of my day I sit down and I read my little brief moment I think for a couple of minutes I'm like okay this is my action and then I go away and I check back in later make a couple of likes and then go off like it just didn't quite have that um yeah like relax relaxing vibe it had the the stressful vibe I think on both sides yeah, it's a, it's amazing what we put our through, ourselves through for a mega game <laughs> in any format. Yeah, but I think what Jack was saying is that it is very, it's really surprising what the difference is in terms of like, I would definitely still be up for like, you know, doing an eight hour, very intense mega game, forgetting to sit down, drink water, eat food, go talk to you, solve this, do that walk around the room, check that everyone's going okay, try and get this person to talk to that person. Like like that, like going the whole time is very enticing, but like doing that for half, for like a minute and then going away and then coming back, like the flow is just not quite there. Yeah, yep. And that's that's probably a good point to reiterate how um, this was the second play test that we ran through. And the first one that Jack and I did, we did do in a more short form um um, sort of version where we did it over a few hours in an afternoon and turns weren't a day, they were only 20 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever. And um, the pressures were on then more more in the format of a mega game when you go to you know the, the town hall and play out a six-hour affair. They felt more like that, but they were still quite different because of the nature of action and then resolution. So the players would would buzz around for 20 minutes and really get into it and do it was essentially the textural version of what a normal mega game in live in the live world looks like and then once that was over they had to sit there and do nothing for 20 minutes which usually bled into longer while jack and i feverishly typed away and tried to generate stuff that there was absolutely no way of generating in the time we had um so it's um 
yeah, it's a it's it's not something that you can just port across um, in this case. But I know that you know some groups have done these these things online successfully in different formats using Discord and that kind of thing. And I think that Dark and Stormy just um, wasn't designed from the get go. Uh, it was designed from the get go to be a long form game, and so at this point, I'm not sure we could port it backwards. Yeah, uh, this is slightly tangential, but sure. I think from like my previous experience playing digital pervasive games. So I'm not sure if that's the right term, but games that you play over a long period of time, a week, a month that have like very structured actions. So generally they're delayed actions. Like if it's a space game, I send my fleet over to the other side of the galaxy. That's going to take 36 hours. And sometimes I get up at, at 3 a.m. or I schedule at a particular time to make sure that happens. And the discussions that are having on the background are important, but they're not as important as your actions, which don't need any sort of moderation. So kind of that had like similar stressful things, but I know many people really, really enjoyed that. I think it's kind of like a little bit between those two two those two things where it's like a mega game online is like really really high energy in the room and this mega game offline was just a little bit syncopated and a little less clear whereas the like digital pervasive games i think did fit a niche within that so maybe a question is do you want to head towards something that is back to, back towards like something that's not a mega game or try and get that high energy that the mega game provides you. Yeah, definitely. So one, yeah, I agree. One potential avenue you could take to solve some of these issues is making the game more mechanical. And so, you know, the more you, the more you head in that direction and the more you have a technical solution to it, the less moderators have to do. So it becomes um, something where the moderators get less and less stress. But I think for me, um, even in the games you're talking about, like Neptune's Pride and these these computer games, which run over multiple days, um, yeah, like you mentioned, players are still getting up at 3 a.m. To, to, to do their actions, right? It still has that same kind of real-world uh, stress where, like, this stuff is kind of blipping on throughout the day, Um yeah, and I, I just feel like probably for me, and I, I don't know about you, Patrick, but for me, that's probably not the experience I'm interested in, I guess. Yeah, I think it's. I think I could adapt to it in different ways, um, depending on what the tools were that we had at our, at our disposal. But I do agree um, from this experience, but also the ob- observing other online mega games and how they've been run so far. I think it's not the forum for me. Um, as a moderator anyway, but we're soon to see what it will be like as a player um, with the Owl League coming up uh, shortly. I don't know if it will have happened by the time this goes out, but we'll see. Um, I wanted to swing it back to the player perspective. Um, what was your favorite thing or what did you think was most successful in this whole playtest? So the thing that was kind of like most evocative for me and kind of like the strongest experience I think was my like initial entry into the game, which is I saw my player screen, it had a profile, it gave me my objectives and all that seemed just like, it seemed pretty well written, very evocative. It fit within the general like aesthetic of the website. Um, All the other players had 
like very strong names that were very archetypal without feeling that they were really ripping anything off. Like it didn't feel like it was a B, like uh, like a C Tolkien uh, version. It was its own thing that, as I think Zach said, kind of inspired by Gothic horror and European folklore. So it felt like, it just like felt really strong going in. Um, and I think that was the thing that I was like, okay, this seems really interesting. And I'm excited to find out who the different characters are, what what they're trying to do. I actually think that's one of the, the my favorite parts of it as well. The <laughs> what Jack and Zach put together in the with the lore and that kind of thing, and just from the early days, seeing um, when we first started talking about the idea of an online mega game that would kind of include this this world or this story, um, Jack immediately had all these ideas that. Yeah, they created like a very rich tapestry early on and only grew from there. So I think that's something that I really enjoyed. Um, what about from the moderator side, Zach? Well, I actually just wanted to, uh, I guess, thank the both of you because I, uh, particularly Jason, seeing as I wrote your character. So thank you very much that you thought it was well written. Uh, but my favorite thing is sort of the flip side of what Jason was saying is that there were, there were people who thoroughly enjoyed their characters. They thought they were excellent or that they fit, fit really, really well. There was some glowing feedback from a couple in particular. And that feels amazing, as in it, it's great when you try and work something and someone uh, work on something or write something out and someone goes, I really enjoyed this character. That was probably my favorite part of uh, watching that, uh, watching the playtest unfold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had some awesome, fantastic role playing from people and uh, chiming in and listening to the group chats between different teams and people talking about what they're planning to do and everyone chatting in character in the little, little chat thing and posting in character and bickering amongst themselves about what they're going to do. All of the role-playing stuff um, was really satisfying and, and fantastic to see. Um, and so on the flip side of that, with um, acknowledging, you know, all the positives and what people enjoyed, and I think broadly the feedback was that people did enjoy it in acknowledging, you know, aside acknowledging some of the issues that it had. Um, on the flip side, you know, what what was the biggest lesson that you guys learned about putting mega games in this medium we've, we've talked through a lot of things specific to this mega game but um what was the biggest thing that you learned about it in general about going online with this kind of um experiment yeah so um i, I think we have really given the game a kick in which is probably deserved but like i, I think we should probably <laughs> mention that that overall there was a lot of great positive feedback as well as really good uh critical feedback which was really useful um so it was an extremely successful uh, playtest and it identified these issues. I think the the key things that I took away in terms of um, lessons for online mega games is I think the thing that needs to be well. First of all, I think I learned that probably asynchronous mega games uh, have a lot of these issues that I really need to see solved. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to see and play in the Owl League uh, to see how that works and how it goes uh, in that game. Um, yeah, second, I think it's that capturing the 
energy of a real life mega game and the feeling that everyone's there and in it and um, really engaged. I think that is probably the biggest thing to focus on beyond game mechanics or beyond the setting. It's giving everyone that feeling um, and atmosphere that you, you get from a mega game when you can see people, 50 people face to face, like, giving people the feeling that there's all these engaged people that is i think probably the key key issue that needs to be solved for an online mega game and i think in some ways we did have that like we had a lot of these great group chats where everyone's chatting and in character and it's all popping off which was great but in a lot of ways we failed and i think that's the key thing we'd have to fix basically zach what about you what what do you think that you've learned about um online mega games well uh <laughs> my list of idea like notes that I took before um before talking about it here to be perfectly honest we've already covered uh running it there were running it it was a time sync which we've gone over in uh detail asynchronous actions have a lot of issues which I think were exasperated by the medium in the setting um that we spent a fair amount of time discussing previously and also just uh yeah maintaining a lot of maintaining involvement over the course of a day i think is difficult particularly when people want to have support for or have involvement from other players on actions and so like all these things we've spent a fair amount of time talking about. <laughs> so <laughs> we've already covered all the things that I wanted to say about this. Yeah. Yep. Likewise. I, I think the thing, the biggest thing I've got from the moderator and design perspective, we covered really early on, which is the crossover with other online um, games of this type, like play by post, whether they're role-playing or not. And how I think there's a differentiation between um, lots of fluff and detailed role playing and getting in character and mechanics. And I feel like um, once you go online with a mega game like this, especially into a text based area and especially into an asynchronous format, the the balance between role play and mechanics becomes even more important than it does in a live action um, event. And I'm yeah, I'm not sure where how you balance those out. Um, Jason, coming in from um, your work with the other, you know, the other live um, mega games, and then this being the first one that you'd actually played in, um, did did you learn anything? Um, oh well, I don't think I really learned that much in terms of I already had a sneaking suspicion, like what I was going <laughs> to feel at the end of it, which was asynchronous mega names are probably not for me. Um, and so just like in terms of the podcast of, of like this general feedback that we're getting. I would also point out that I was already skeptical that this wasn't quite for me. Um, I was interested to see how it would play, but I think there will be some people who really like the play by post who really like this kind of bleed into the rest of your life, always checking, always checking up and it being something that is kind of just like a fun background activity. But for me, I think similar to the moderator experience, it was a draining background activity. It was uh, more work and less fun. So next time, uh, I want to do a full, uh, like a full, um, full real time online. Yeah, um, no, I actually agree with you. I think I'm, I'd be keen to try out a full um, online real time game as well. But I like to hear that you kind of went in with that 
that out out like that outlook because I, I and and that you stuck with it. Um because throughout the game I interacted with only a handful of players quite regularly. And um there were some there which I think had a similar experience. Um well, from my perspective, and again this is this this thing about reading people and understanding um what they're what they're feeling and their tone and all that. But I had some I, I was expecting some people to sort of throw in the towel throughout the playtest because it hadn't turned out to be what they were after. And I appreciate that no one no one really did that. They all adapted to it and did what they could um within the limits. Um so I think we've we've covered quite a lot there. Um we're, running a little bit longer than we usually do and we have gone into a lot of depth about some of the big issues that we um that we kind of identified in the post um the post game feedback um and the discussions that we've had was there anything else that you guys wanted to add on to the analysis of of this game or also just in general you know the world of online mega games and what 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 are the opportunities that could be seized in the future or yeah how do you how do you feel about online mega games in general uh the only other thing that i would kind of add on to it which we haven't we've touched on briefly at some points but it's the technical requirements or the technical investment that goes into running an online mega game uh so while i can't speak much to it seeing as jack and pat mostly did uh the background stuff in terms of running the site um when i was fiddling around with trying to design my own um mega game with you working in working in conjunction with jack we i quickly found that the technical side was quite a fair bit beyond me um and i think that's probably one of the biggest hurdles in trying to get a lot of ideas that would work well on an online mega games or like work well on an online sense working, but it requires a large amount of technical know-how and technical knowledge to actually get those working properly. And in a way that won't crash burning as lots of people trying to have it run at the same time. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, we, we haven't gone into detail on that, but there were definitely technical issues that we, we would want to solve in future as, you know, as, as everyone logged in at 658 into the chat and tried to all post actions simultaneously, we did, we did get some problems there, but. I think the biggest bit of um, sort of final, final comment from me generally about online mega games is that. I don't think um, I don't think I'm sold on them to be honest, and it's not just based on this experience, but it's based on watching others. And um, maybe the our league will turn me around on that. Um, I think it's a difficult thing to weigh in on because of how um, dare I say undefined or multifaceted mega games are. Um, <clears throat> but the the way that I've seen them ported online, including those like the, those runs of Den of Wolves where everything's live and everything's happening like it would in real life, um, I feel like it's been born out of necessity, and which I totally understand. And I think now is the time for it. And I hope that a lot of people have a lot more success with it. But I don't think it's the forum that I'm going to be investing in in the future. Um, and the final thing, I guess, on the on the technical issues as well, as we've seen with our conversations recently with um, Stefan and with um, John, a lot of people are looking 
looking into how they can customize the tools that they use and John's working on his own little, um, you know, platform that to be able to run games online. And I think that's the way that things might need to move um, if we're going to see highly successful and, and smooth online mega games. Yeah, I agree with that. I, 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 yeah, I think I would agree with what Patrick says in terms of this is um, July 2020. And the reason why we are playing online mega games is because we can't play real life mega games. And so we're kind of looking for the substitute. And I think sometimes that can end up being more disappointing that, you know, you want chocolate cake and you end up getting carob cake. <laughs> and if you like carob cake, that's fine. Have carob cake. But if you want a chocolate cake, this is just like, it's not quite the same thing. So I'm excited to see, like, based on what we've talked about, there are actually, you know, examples of online pervasive games and different things in this medium. So I think I'm excited to see, like, what is kind of the intersection bringing mega games into an online medium and what would make it that you would do this at a time when you weren't necessarily stuck in your house. What would make you um, want to do an online mega game when there is the possibility of actually doing an offline mega game of seeing people in the real world. Yeah, definitely. I think I think I'm a lot more hopeful about online mega games than you guys. Honestly, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm really excited about a lot of them, and um, I think even once uh, the current crisis has passed, the huge advantage that they have over real world mega games is their accessibility um, to people from all over the world and living being someone as we all are like who lives in Australia far away from um, the places where mega games are being constantly run the ability to tune into different mega games from the UK and to see how they do it and how they run things uh, is really awesome and I agree it is definitely like it's carrot cake and not chocolate cake like it's a different experience it's not the same thing but um, yeah based on my experience in in the Anubis heresy and games like that I'm still interested in the carrot cake basically Wrong yeah, with carrot yeah. cake, it's just not chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that note, I might I might wrap us up and just run through with each of you guys. Um, as of now, as of like you said, July um, twenty twenty, where in in most parts of the country, we're looking at um, things getting much better as far as mega game prospects go. Um, what's what's next for each of you in in the world of mega games? Are you going to be doing any design work or um, any any further work on online mega games? Are you playing anything coming up? Um, what's what's planned for you, Jack? Yeah, for me, I'm planning to get back in it and um, uh, look at uh, gearing up. Uh, we are not alone, basically, um, for a real life game in the future. Um, I'll jump on and agree with what Jack is saying in that uh, since the last time you had me on, uh, I've been working on what I said I would be working on. So I have been working on We Are Not Alone and I've got some side projects which at the moment are just bucket loads of ideas in a Google Doc and uh, we'll see if they end up getting any further than that. <laughs> <laughs> they all start somewhere. Yep. And and Jason, what about you? Is this 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 hasn't turned you off playing in mega games in general? Has no, it? You're be... um, it, it it actually <laughs> it actually gave me a little bit of um like an inspiration or a little bit of a brain bug. Like what I've been working on 
in just as a little bit of an exploration as prototyping out something in the digital space that would either A, help people run probably um, real-time online mega games, but also when we start going back into sim- into real spaces, give you a digital interface where we can start limiting their amount of physical components or physical interaction, which um, we don't know that might be really important in terms of getting people um, comfortable being back in a room with 100 people might be a bit scary. So having less touching and be able to maintain some sort of physical distance even the next couple of years might be a good idea. But also like the what we might be able to do in terms of push the design space a little bit once we start going away from physical components and start being able to do a few more tricks behind the scenes. Mm. Awesome. That sounds That sounds exciting. Um, all right. Well, well. Thank you all for indulging in this chat. I hope it's been uh, useful and entertaining. Um, thanks, as always, Jack, for being yourself, and Zach for returning. And thanks for joining us, Jason. Thanks for having thank me. Thank That's it for this episode. Thanks again for listening, and thanks to Zach, Jack, and Jason for the, the discussion. Uh, yeah, and thanks so much to all our lovely players who participated in the playtest as well. Uh, you can find me at jack at ashtowngames.com. And as always, you can find me over at the sydneymegagamers.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.